Yeah. And it's so easy. It is. You it know? is. <laughs> yeah. I just use, I still use a levelator. Still works. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if that, if I don't have that or if that doesn't work, then I use a phonic. Okay. And that's an online app that you can just process your audio through. Yeah. And it sounds great. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and, and nowadays, if you just, if you record it 24 bit, you can bring up as, as long as you're not like some of those, the files that I get from, um, uh, from on location are just like way down there. Like mm. they're at like minus 40 kind of <laughs> levels. And you're just like, and you try to bring it up and you're bringing the noise floors up and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, come on, you guys, don't you know how to get levels? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't start you ask there. the actor to talk before you got them to start, uh, you, you start to hit record? It's like, oh, uh, I guys. hear most people are clueless about that. Yeah, but these guys are like the sound guys that they hire. And you're like, yep. <laughs> I guess because they're reliable or confident, I'm not sure. I guess. I, I, guess. I did some audio for a couple of YouTube things and, and uh, the producer is very pleased yeah that, that all of my audio was absolutely spot on perfect yeah and that anybody else he used wasn't but for some reason i still didn't get the call back whenever he needed like, some people to do audio so, <laughs> okay i guess personality <laughs> over audio i don't know yes damn it yeah oh that's funny man that's yeah. funny yeah. <laughs> funny stuff <laughs> Well, welcome to Inside Home Recording. <laughs> Not really, but uh, I'm sitting here with Dave Chick, Hatch Productions. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's really great to be chatting. I do think this is the first show I've done in person with anybody for the new music industry podcast. So really? I think so. Wow. Not for my last podcast, obviously. You know, I had a co-host and Anna was there and okay. we, yeah. would, we would do things in person. And I also had a lot of uh, musician friends and venue owners and things like that yeah. come to, over to my house to do interviews. But yeah. Once I got into the new music industry podcast, it seems like I'm not sure if I've done Maybe maybe one or two, but I'm not sure if I've done any interviews in person yet. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, I remember doing those over Skype and having to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, send me your audio file. I'll try to match it all up later. <laughs> oh, I've had to do that too, and that's a yeah. real pain. Yeah. But yeah, I had to come all the way out to Vancouver to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Vancouver too. Yeah. yeah. Wow, well, geez. thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. It's yeah. Fun. So, yeah, I think it's been about six years since we chatted. I just yeah. thought it was not great that uh, if people search for Inside Home Recording that they wouldn't be able to find anything. <laughs> so I put up a blog post saying, you know, here's my experience. And I was a big fan, obviously. I loved it. Loved being on it, too, for the few episodes that I was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was good fun uh, while it lasted, but it, it, it was one of those things where it just got to the point I got too busy to do it. Yeah. And, and the, the production that we had to put in, like Paul and Derek had yeah. put into it and I just had to continue on with just, it took up a lot of time and to be able to do it weekly and then it got down to bi-weekly and then it was monthly and it was like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you don't even think about this kind of stuff when you're doing the first five episodes or yeah. 10 episodes you're so excited to do it and yeah. you're enjoying it and then suddenly at some point it becomes this massive burden yeah that you have to produce one a week or one a month or whatever it, frequency. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. the 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 shiny little glow of mm -hmm. uh 
enthusiasm definitely wanes. It really does over time. <laughs> yeah. So and that, that was one of the things where, I, I don't know if you know, uh, there's this, uh, it used to be a podcast based here uh, called The Bunker Project. Mm. And it was uh, this guy named Bob Dar- uh, Garlic and um, I am, ref- I'm just spacing on the other, other host's name. But anyways, that was the same sort of thing. They basically were just, they got in a room, they had, uh, they just did it on the fly kind of thing mm-hmm. and were able to, you know, record, download, upload, edit, gone kind of thing. Whereas with with IHR, yeah. it was basically- it's way more editing. You had all the segments, you had all the little bumpers in the segments and all that kind of stuff. And then you, then they did it with the, I don't think they still do this, the, the enhanced podcast where they um, would actually put the graphics in synced with the audio and stuff. So oh, if you're watching yeah, on your right. iPod, it was an iPod back then. I used to uh, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the graphics would come up with the, and that was, that was a pain in the ass. To oh yeah. Well. No, that's a ton of work. <laughs> Even when I'm just making videos that are comprised of, you know, stock photos and stock footage of, of video. Yeah. It's still a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I, I have, I have the utmost respect for video editors uh, after I've tried it a couple of times yeah. and watch people do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd have even reached out to uh, Paul and James, but uh, no comment. I mean, I'm sure they're busy in their respective yeah. careers and yeah, everything yeah. they're up to, but, you know, hey, one way or another, I paid tribute to the show. So there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still up on Stitcher if you want to really find it. Oh, good, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I might have to do that. <laughs> Download the episodes that I was on and uh, keep them for posterity. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I took so many detours from that point on when, when right around the time that, uh, inside home recording stopped, I got into business and I ended up learning a ton about business. Yeah. Uh, I got into a couple of network marketing companies that I did not stay in Ah. and, you know, some people experience massive success in that. I guess it just wasn't for me, but. Yeah. Well, it's those kind of detours that sort of, um, sort of focus you in on where you want to go. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's there's value in the circuitous route. Yeah, I've, I've been hearing more of that lately, oh, yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. you know what? That's cool. I just get I get to look, discover different perspectives, different skills, different experiences yeah. that I can just add back into what I'm doing. Well, that was the, the that was the the whole circuitous route thing was exactly what I did when I, mm. I, I, I initially wanted to be a music teacher, and I went to. Uh, college for that and uh, got to the end of the degree and it was like I don't know <laughs> it's not because that, that was the thing when like back in like the late 80s early 90s you, you go into the guidance counselor and it's like what are you interested in now music well the only two careers that are available to you are as a being a performer or a music teacher it's like yeah okay I guess I'll be a music teacher because I don't really like I, I like practicing but I don't like it that much um, and so you know mm-hmm. When I got to the end of the degree, I was like, oh, I don't know, like there's all these cutbacks happening and it was, was going to be a, I go to a teacher's college and I'd be like a substitute teacher for like five years and like, what kind of career is that? Yeah. Um, so I went off to uh, business school and I was a consultant for like 10, 12 years. Wow. And uh, I got, uh, got to s- my last job um, in business in quote air quotes is uh was with the experience music project in seattle which was uh, opened by paul allen and um there i was able to get exposed to a whole bunch of people Mm. in different you know you know 
realms of the music industry, technology, uh, performance, artist management, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, boom, like my head exploded. Like there's so much you can do and like Tons, real yeah. uh, alternative things with in, in music and art and, and so on and so forth. So that was sort of where the wheel started turning of like, how can I get back into music? Mm. And um, by then kids were coming along and it was like, okay, I can't be a touring musician. I can't be a sound engineer that goes out there and tours with a band. Um, what else can I be? And that's when sort of uh, like film composing came up as yeah. uh, a creative outlet, a creative career that I could do where I could actually stay at a home base and um, actually work work from home. So that was about, I don't know, 12 years ago. There's a health issues and stuff that pushed me in that way, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's where it was. And, you know, that's that's the thing I keep on, you know, teach, trying to try to extol to my kids is like, there's so many other careers out there. Tons. And even if you go and choose a, uh, a degree or a path right out of school, nine times out of 10, that's not what you're going to be ending up doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. And I mean, people these days have transitions, right? Yeah. Nine to 10, I think they, is the latest stat. And that maybe that's even higher now. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I take it for granted that people are going to be shifting things every oh, three yeah. to five years, probably. Totally, so, totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 I say, like, be open to that. You, you never know where the, the path's going to go. And yeah. You follow it. Uh, it's, it's good to have a plan and stuff like that. But if you see an opportunity that comes up, and you could take advantage of it, and it's it's not going to set you back uh, yeah. a few steps and stuff like that. Go for it. Mm. Yeah, you never know where it's going to go. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I talk a lot about the music business on the podcast, but actually business consulting was the one thing I was told not to get into. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to any musician, no. 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 <laughs> I, I was told, actually, you can help people with career transitions. And I, you know what, you are, that's actually a great way of framing uh, what I do is yeah. help people kind of achieve a degree of freedom in their life to engage in more music. Yeah. I helped my friend Liam do that very thing, and he's really killing it out there so yeah. it's, it's awesome yeah. i'm actually wearing the, t the band's t-shirt today the, middle, the middle coast the middle coast yes. yeah they're not together anymore but uh, liam is still making music so yeah, like the like the gingham tablecloth there that's yeah. pretty cool <laughs> some really really sharp kids i mean i call them kids but they're getting to be mid-20s late 20s but <laughs> oh my god yeah not that every anybody would know what my age looking at me but yeah no it's uh I, I would, I, I'm so wholeheartedly on that as well as like, is be open to the, the transition mm. and, uh, you know, don't think of it as a failure or, or you've, no. you've, you've, you're, you're going down a uh, dead end path or anything like that. Mm. Everything's a learning opportunity and you just sort of got to take, take advantage of it. Nice. Know? Yeah. Words of wisdom there. Hey. I like that. <laughs> That's a tweetable, I'm sure. <laughs> tweetable, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I totally believe that. I think all the experiences just added. You know, some days you wake up and you're like, 800 posts later on Music Entrepreneur HQ. Whoa, how did that happen? You know? <laughs> or 10 years in podcasting. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it last summer. And that, that's when I hit the 10 year mark. So, oh my God, yeah. I'm working on a big 10 year reflecting on 10 years of, of podcasting episode right now. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. But obviously yeah. that's compiling a lot of lessons and maybe a few audio clips. I'm not going to go too crazy in that regard, but. Well, when you told me you were like way over 
like two, three hundred podcasts and stuff. I was like, yep. whoa, wow. Yeah, it's got to be close to 400 now. I mean, I took a little bit of a break in there. I think it was 2014, 2015-ish. But the original run of David Andrew Weed podcast, which got renamed several times, <laughs> got to be about 120, 130 episodes. Yeah. And then the current show, we're inching closer and closer to 200 episodes. Damn. So, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done, you know, I've published sporadically or I've changed the publishing schedule multiple times. Yeah. Originally it was monthly and that was very, I felt like that was actually super manageable and eventually that became weekly and then it was two a week when I launched the new podcast and wow. yeah. And That's ambitious. Mostly kept up with a weekly schedule since then but I think yeah. 40, 48 episodes a year is kind of the the average. I can see that. You know, now people are getting into seasons and stuff, yeah. taking breaks and stuff like that, basically following the t TV schedule, like doing a 13 episodes and taking a break. And Originally, I was thing. thinking that, and I think I was 13 episodes in. I'll have an episode zero, so it's kind of 14 episodes oh. in. And uh, at that point, I, I took a break because I was like, well, 14 episodes, we'll, we'll call that a season and, and yeah. see where, where things go from there. But once I picked it back up, yeah, I just kept kept with it didn't really take a break so very cool yeah very cool very cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think the things that you're speaking to i mean we want to go down all those rabbit trails and, and we, it is talk you know the it's the namesake of my book the new music industry so of yeah. course we are here to talk about that sweet that very thing and and even before we got on uh, recording this particular episode, we, we chatted a lot about the changes that are happening yeah. and everything that's going on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, taking um, I, I guess taking a look at it from outside, like the you know typical uh, recording artist and so forth, and, and sort of watching uh, the industry change from a very controlled pipeline to a more open um you know smorgasbord if you mm -hmm. will of uh of choices is uh it, it's from a consumer standpoint it's been like a godsend that you know i think that was one of the things the the, the death knell that napster yeah. uh sounded was that people really wanted to be able to have um convenience variety um, you know, everything at their fingertips. Yep. And, um, it was really that, that point was where the, I think the record industry made its big first stumble was to sort of look at that as a, as a threat that they needed to squash rather than an opportunity they could exploit. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you've gotten to the point now where the consumer has this you know, gem in their hands and they're not going to let go. Yes, so, uh, definitely. people are, uh, artists, you know, complaining about, I can, I feel for them that they're not, um, you know, making money from their music, but that landscape has changed and they've got to be able to figure out how can I make music or how can I make money from my art when I cannot commoditize or I cannot, uh, leverage, my music as a product yeah as effectively as i used to kind of thing so yeah it's it's yeah it's unfortunate that the, they're in that position but it's 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 the reality now 
It is. Yeah. And that's an excellent starting point, Napster. I mean, the next big thing was Steve Jobs announcing the 99 cent song. Yep. Suddenly songs cost exactly 99 cents. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly they became free in effect. Yes, essentially. So, yeah. 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 It's amazing that we actually get rewarded for something that's effectively <laughs> free in a way. <laughs> but, but to your point, uh, I do feel that a lot of musicians still want to rely on that one song or that one single. And I often ask them, have you done the math on what it would be to make $3,000 off of one song? Right. Yeah. And on a 99 cent song, you're probably making royalties. If it's from iTunes, then six, 60 cents. Yeah. So how many do you have to sell? Well, it's over 3000. Yeah. Do you have a fan base that's going to support you that way? Or are they just going to go to Spotify, YouTube, Deezer, Tidal to, well, yeah. to stream it? Yeah. But so. uh, also to that is like this, the supply has grown exponentially out there. Yeah, so no doubt. from a consumer standpoint, um, it's different in the fact that they're not receiving that controlled um, pipeline of thou shalt listen to these artists that are released on such and such a, uh, a label. Um, it's so much more democratized out there that the, the consumer is able to look at the music choices in front of them and say, I've got infinite number of substitutes yeah. for such and such an artist. So if you are going to charge me, um, even 10 cents for a song when I can get a subscription and get all these other ones over here. Well, I'm going to go over here because yeah. I'm not going to bother with, with you, which, you know, again, it, it's, I, I feel for you as an artist, but how do you stand? Like, that's the challenge now is that you are in now a sea of like hundred times more artists yeah. than you were like, 20 years ago when the heyday of the, the music industry where, Absolutely. Uh, you know, CD sales were, were king and so forth. And the, the pipeline was so tightly controlled. Um, choices weren't there. Yeah. So you were able to make that money. Uh, whereas now, if you get a few streams and stuff off your, your music, that's what you get. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I mean, loyalty is a really tough thing. That's, it is a very tough thing. Yeah. That's kind of what you're yeah. hinting at there. I think it's important for artists to, to just diversify their, their bundles, their packages, their performance. Uh, you can have a product that's 99 cents. Sure. Yeah. But how about have a, pro a package that's $50, $100, $1,000 that people can buy off of you. And that way you're not reliant on, you know, your music being streamed a hundred thousand times or, yeah, or yeah. bought 3000 times or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I also want to sort of point out that I'm not a music artist and I have not released an album. <laughs> so I'm speaking out of my ass here. Yeah. But I imagine, <laughs> I imagine you have produced a few artists, right? And like I have, people yeah. come here to record yeah. occasionally. Yeah. 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 It, they, they have, and it's, 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 it's a tough game. Um, mm. I I kind of I wouldn't really want to be in it, right? Um, I kind of like what what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, being able to deal with directors and producers and basically writing stuff on spec for well, not really on spec, but collaborating with them to uh, to produce something that fits with their art. Yeah, and being paid appropriately <laughs> and and you know i guess you were showing me some stuff earlier and really you're you're kind of a craftsperson and and that, that kind of attitude towards music is becoming 
rare, right? Yeah. A lot of yeah. it is these days. I, mean, I get understand why it is the case that they throw on a drum, uh, drum machine. Yeah. play a few synths, layer the vocals, and that's your track. Like, yeah. there's no more time in the studio. There's no more budget. There's no more money to be spent. We just got to get the next single out there, and that's <laughs> that's it. You don't get anything extra. Yeah. So, yeah. but c compared to that, what you're doing is still very much rooted in the art of of sound design and and composing a music. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely a career that I'd never thought I'd be able uh, I'd I'd do, and it's um i quickly realized that going writing music for film was so, going to open up so many more creative doors than i would have imagined um mm. you know you you think of the typical john williams or the danny elfmans or what have you hans zimmers um where you're basically your film music is orchestral music and it's there's some of that in there and there's i'm called upon to do that every once in a while uh but there's so many genres you don't know what the director's gonna throw at you and i i've mm. gone into so many down so many avenues musical avenues that you never would have imagined going down you know i grew up on you know basically 80s pop music, mm -hmm. uh, hair metal, um, you know, started going into prog rock and that kind of stuff. And I never went into like Bollywood stuff or mm. atonal stuff or what have you. But, you know, that's what the director wants. And you basically are just like, okay, I'll figure out how to do it and get into it and, you know, you know, pull something out of your <laughs> ass and uh, that's what comes out kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's been pretty, it's, been very interesting um to look at music and create music that um is is totally new and just it's so inspiring to be able to do that kind of stuff um and and basically you know soak up a director's vision and so forth and be able to run with it in in a direction you never would have imagined mm. <laughs> It sounds like we have a lot of, uh, I mean, similar tastes as far as music is concerned. Because, <laughs> yeah, I love the 80s pop and the hair metal. and I mean, I like great hair metal, let's put it that way. Yeah, there's yeah. some hair metal that oh. was so, yeah, <laughs> overdone that, that yes. I just never really dug it. But, you know, Van Halen, we'll say, is maybe the original uh, hair metal band. I, yeah. I love Van Halen. Yeah. They got lumped in there, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were more of the modern day Led Zeppelin. You yeah. Know, yeah. Basically yeah. They're, they're continuing that tradition very much and extreme. I loved and harem scarum is still making music. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate how the, the marriage of, uh, extreme and Van Halen didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny you say that. I was just reading an interview with Gary Sharon the other yeah. day about this very thing. And I, th I think it was an interview from, from 2012. But, yeah. I mean, he just, Gary sounds like the nicest person in the world. He would have done anything in that situation. And yeah. he, he says he could still see himself writing with Eddie. So yeah. Yeah. maybe we can hope, but, yeah. uh, like I wouldn't mind. It's just the album really didn't do what it needed to do. I felt like the tour, I mean, Gary's in his element when he's on stage. Yeah. He's an incredible performer, but yeah, yeah. I saw them down at the gorge in Washington on that tour and that, wow. that was a good show. It was a really good show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could, I could, I could see where it was going. Like he was, 
I think the friction between Gary Sharon and Nuno um, uh, uh, in uh, Extreme was what just unbearable. At, it was at, unbearable, but I think it, they they fed on it, and that's what sort oh. of like you know, Pornography was uh, that that was sort of like the pinnacle, and then Extreme Three came out. That was a pretty good album too, but it, it, it was ambitious. But it was had some really great moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't know. I think they pushed each other, whereas I think. I think with Van Halen, the third iteration of Van Halen with Gary at the helm, it was, yeah. he, it wasn't like he was dialing it in, but I think Eddie sort of let him be in his comfort zone, didn't really push him. Yeah. That's what I kind of felt. Anyways. Definitely. I think, I think that was almost mutual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. Gary didn't push Eddie hard enough and Eddie didn't push Gary, Gary hard enough. Yeah. I imagine there's some philosophical differences between Gary and Nuno and that's maybe where, where yeah. they clashed and, and conflicted. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, I love Nuno as a guitarist. He's incredible. Yeah. I followed everything that he did when he, once he got to Rihanna, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't fault him for going and taking that gig at all. Like not at all. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't, like Rihanna's music that much, so yeah, I can. I, uh, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. But but yeah, I love that conversation. And and Gary's actually done some interesting side projects over the years as well. Hurt Smile, yeah, which I didn't know about until just the other day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Extreme Drummer with Dream Theater now. And oh wow, oh, that was that, that's cool. Yeah, I never yeah. saw that coming. No, is that <laughs> Kevin Figueredo or is it as the original Extreme Drummer? I think it was the original Extreme. Oh drummer. wow. Had no idea. Starts with an M, I believe. Anyways, Mike, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike Mangini. Of Mike course. Mangini. Yes, of course. Yeah, because Mike Mangini was on uh, the fourth album, fourth Extreme album. Oh, was that before him? they disbanded? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think. Well, there was another really great drummer that played with the Morning Widows, which was one of Nuno's side projects. Okay. I I want to say it was Mike Mangini, but could be wrong. Oh yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> that was also a cool cool little side project too that cool. incorporated some alternative elements yeah cool 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 yeah so you get to geek out on that a bit that's fun <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the filming and composing gig like that's been something very steady for you for how long now um i've been doing this for about 12 years now and it's yeah. really sort of come to fruition in the last five years where it's been pretty well pretty steady kind of stuff it's not like i mm. know three months out exactly what i'm doing because right. uh the projects you that you're basically waiting for well you might be called in pre-production and you know who knows whether or not that actually gets off the ground into production but it's um usually the you know they do a production and then they'll have anywhere from two weeks to three months editing, depending on how, <laughs> how, how timelines go and so forth. And then when it gets out of editing into locked picture, it's like, okay, now we need to compose and you, you, you need to start. So it's never really, unless you're working on a, like a syndicated series or um, yeah. like a big movie house kind of stuff, but most of the independent film stuff is pretty loosey goosey schedule. So, mm. um, but it always seems as though once I'm finished a project, I've got another one or two that are coming mm. up kind of thing. So it's been, it's been pretty good. It's yeah. That sounds like good. a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, it's the kind of thing where sometimes they want to work with you and sometimes they don't, but you just yeah. gotta, gotta yeah. roll with it. You do. And I think we, you know, we talked about this earlier is that the, um, 
it's all basically relationship building. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what sort of takes up the time. And, um, it really does. Yeah. People yeah. getting into the industry, uh, at least film composing and, and, uh, any sort of other specialized departments in the post, uh, field, you got to realize it's not, um, it's not, you put your shingle out and people will come kind of thing. And it's not, you can put out your music clips and so forth that'll get you so far, but it's really the relationship you have with the directors um, and the producers that are in the industry. And you just got to get out there, you know, press the flesh, um, mm -hmm. take people out for coffee, talk with them, get hook them, hook up on social, social media and just really take advantage of those, uh, those networks on a personal level. Yeah. Um, if you come at it from a bit strictly business standpoint of, I need to come in here, get on this gig, get a, get a check at the end and I'm out kind of thing. That's not going to work. It's not mm. going to fly. It's uh, the directors and producers. It's, it's a very emotional, not emotionally charged, but it, people are very vested um, from a, like a deep feeling of they're attached to this project yeah, and they yeah, really have baby. deep feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and if you come in with very callous business, standpoint of this is a transaction it's it's not going to rub people the right way <laughs> so yeah being able to you know stick with it uh believe in yourself and just keep you know keep dusting yourself off it's like there's and there's always room to grow yeah yeah i think matt Starr came on to my show and talked about this very thing and he's he's drumming with bands like you know, Mr. Big or Ace Frehley, right? Yeah. These, these days, right? But he said at first it was so weird, just kind of hobnobbing with these guys. He wanted the gig, obviously, but the priority first and foremost was just build that relationship yeah. and maybe do a jam session or something like yeah. that. So. Yeah, yeah, because you're never going to make that. The, the first impression is definitely, you know, goes a long way and stuff, but it's it's all the follow-up yeah, stuff and being able to show up. that you can stick with it and stick with the person it's and, true. and uh, get to know them. It's, uh, you know, that that's one of the other things, just being able to talk to these people and talk to them about not just the project it's you know talk about what where they're coming from what what's what's happening in their lives like it's yeah, yeah it's really that personal connection you i really gotta yeah milk that <laughs> totally agree. yeah and you have to get better at uh keeping in touch with people totally. i definitely learned that from from derek sivers i'm working on it <laughs> i have to improve my processes but the thing is we all go through these periods of, of hermiting yes right? yes and and i just came out of one of those because i was working on my fifth book yeah and, and for months on end right it could have been done sooner but i i think i just wanted to fine-tune it and, yeah. and make it good and make it something that, that people want to pick up. So yeah. you could have the best music, the best merch, the best book in the world. And if you don't, people don't know who you are, it, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And, From and, there, it's about know, getting out there. And it's all like, you, you're going to have the high days. You're going to have the low days. There's, there's days where you're basically, you know, I come out of my studio going, I'm like, I'm flying at cloud nine. I'm, yes. I, I can do anything. I can do no wrong. The director loves all my stuff, blah, blah, blah. And there's other days where it's like, oh my God, the work's dried <laughs> up. I'm useless. I'm worthless. What the hell? Yeah. Should I even be doing this anymore? <laughs> kind of thing. So yeah, you're, you're going to go through the highs and the lows, but it's just Absolutely. like, keep going, keep going at it. I've, yeah. I've experienced burnout at a pretty severe level too. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago, I went to Japan and, and took two weeks off and that was like super needed. But do you have those moments too, where you're just like, I, 
can't even wake up and feel you know, like have energy to do anything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And the coffee doesn't wake you up. Yeah, the caffeine, like yeah it's, good luck, yeah. right? Oh totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just have to drag yourself. I yeah. I think that's the, the whole blank page syndrome as well. Yeah. Uh, you probably get this as a writer as well. It's like you're just staring at I've got a film, I've got to do something with this. Where do I start? And you're just mm -hmm. looking at this mountain of work that you know is ahead of you, and you don't know, you know, everything you try to to get the the juices going, yeah, doesn't work. The the ouch moment it, for me, it's usually just like I'll wake up, I'll pull up the the blank page, and I'll get some words out but it'll be so slow going, <laughs> right? And that's the point at which I know that like I'm beyond tired and exhausted. Yeah. But uh, that's the create-on-demand world, and, and gradually I'll, I'll be moving away from that uh, because that that's just encouraging more hermiting in my life, yeah. right, is, is to be the create-on-demand writer guy. And, yeah, I can charge good money for it but you know i'm more interested in in public speaking and representing a brand and right. and sharing and all that so yeah 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 hey thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with dave chick part two is coming next week so stay tuned and until next time i'm david andrew and i look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. Thank you.